Good evening and welcome to the EFL Preview with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. Yes, that's right, I'm back after a week away, sunning myself working at the Ryder Cup. Whilst I was away, there has been plenty of excitement taking place across all three divisions and plenty of matches for us to review, including some notable goals and, as a result, some pretty notable managerial sackings. So tonight we'll be talking about the midweek fixtures that took place on Tuesday the 3rd of October and Wednesday the 4th of October, as well as taking time to take a look at the fixtures taking place this weekend. As always, you can expect the same level of insight, analysis and interviews that you come to expect every single week. And although some things have been uh, missed over the last couple of weeks, we won't miss the structure that we always do. And that means, of course, we will start with the championship. And we will start with Birmingham City 4, Huddersfield Town 1. Birmingham City beat Huddersfield to secure their first win in seven games in all competitions. Fit again, Sariki Dembele tormented defenders all night on his first start since the 19th of August to score a brilliant double. He rifled the ball home from outside the area for his first in the third minute, when Koji Miyoshi extended the Blues' lead before creating Dembele's second. Michael Hellick netted a consolation for Huddersfield, only for teenage Welsh international Jordan James to come off the bench and restore his side's three-goal winning margin with only his second league goal. Birmingham moved back up to 10th in the table, ahead of Friday's first derby of the season at home to West Brom, while Huddersfield dropped to 19th. Of course, a very impressive game for them to be doing there, but it's an interview with the opposition manager that we'll focus on. Now, of course, over the weeks that we've been away, we haven't really talked about the change in managerial uh, positions at Huddersfield. Of course, we had the final uh, interview of Neil Warnock, but he was replaced by former Sheffield Wednesday manager Darren Moore, who started off his uh, his career with Huddersfield rather well, picking up a win last weekend, but has been replaced by a fairly decent humbling by the Birmingham outfit this week. And let's listen to him now. Uh, Darren, thank you very much for for taking the time to speak to us. Uh, I think it's fair to say tonight didn't go to to plan for us. What was the issue this evening for us? Yeah, for me, for tonight, um, we wasn't nowhere near Raj in terms of what we've set the store that we set out. Um, Take nothing away from Birmingham. They played well tonight, but in terms of our performance and what was expected tonight, performed nowhere near to what we um, to what we expect. we suffered to defeat tonight as a group. We take it on the chin as a group and um, we regroup again for the weekend. The game started um, and when you start the game like that, it's, a, it's an uphill task with the two goals we conceded uh, were soft goals. Well, when you look at it, all four goals were soft goals from our point of view. Um, the, the goals th- three and number four was both goals conceded when we had possession of the ball and we gave the ball away. Um, tonight, I didn't think we was clean enough um, I didn't think our departments was, was solid enough in terms of where, what we have shown, um, in terms of where we needed to be at. Um, and then certainly on the ball, I didn't think we were clean enough with our patterns. And um, tonight just wasn't, it wasn't there, the night for us. Half-time, I tried to freshen it up again, to get, get some fresh impetus on the pitch with the boys. I thought for probably 10 minutes of the second half, we had a little bit of impetus in the game. But I, th- I suppose for me, Raj, once they scored the third goal, the game's away from them. We said to the boys at half-time, the next goal's um, the most important goal. And that 2-0, we had a, we had a, 
a flash header by Jack Redoni that maybe we could have uh, done better with. We had a couple of half efforts in around their area that we could have got better contact with. But as I said, you know, once we give the ball away and concede the third goal, the game um, got away from us. It doesn't feel this way right this very second, but you know, in a, in a broader sense, tonight might give you an opportunity to learn a little bit more about your squad. You've, you've only been in charge for, for three games now. The past couple of games, second half at Coventry especially, and the, the full game against Ipswich was, was positive, but you tend to learn more about yourselves on these negative nights, don't you? That's right. That's what the saying goes. I said to the boys sometimes when you're when you're winning or you're doing well in games and that uh, sometimes the game don't teach you things it's when you're suffering nights like this that you have a look and I think you know we take it on the chin as a group as I said to you you know when you're doing well we take it as a group and when you suffer nights like these or performances like this we take it as a as a whole what we have to do is regroup uh, analyse and look back at the game look at the, the, the probably the do's and don'ts in terms of the game um, and what was what happened tonight that Get, that the result turned out to be in the manner that it was. As I said, um, we didn't start the game the, uh, the best and uh, from that moment it was always an uphill task. I know Birmingham went on to, to score a fourth late on with a, a long-range effort, but the fact that the lads still pushed enough to, to get one on the score sheet late on with Mahal Halik speaks a little bit to the fact that they didn't give up, they didn't let the heads drop. No, I said, I said to the boys, you know, the commitment and endeavour and the work rate, that the honesty that they show, it's never in question, it's never in doubt. Um, it's just recognising the games. Every game's a different game, Raj, and, and, and your preparation for the game's got to be almost spot on and detailed with it. And I just thought tonight, um, when we started the game, we just didn't give ourselves, and, and, and though we went a goal down, I didn't think we needed to concede the second one in the manner, and at the time we did. I thought we could have stayed a little bit more solid and resolute. And, uh, and grow into the game more. Um, and so once Birmingham got the second goal and got into half-time, we, we spoke at half-time about getting the next goal was the most important goal. Um, and unfortunately, it went to them, uh, which was the, the, the disappointing thing because it was our poor giveaway, really. So those kind of things we need to learn from, we need to understand, we need to look at the game in, in terms of um, how we went about it tonight um, and try and make sure that we don't repeat it again. As you'll be only too well aware, the, the game against Sheffield Wednesday at the weekend isn't a small occasion for, for both clubs. It's a, a local derby. What do we work on between now and then to, to ensure that that game goes better than this evening did? Yeah, for me, it's recovery. Now, um, you know, we obviously disappointed with the result. So now it's about recovering the players. And now it's, um, it's about debriefing this game. And then uh, we sort of got a couple of days to work in. Uh, and prepare for that game, which is a local derby. And, you know, we want to respond in the right manner uh, in that game uh, from tonight. Uh, the last thing I'll ask you, and it's a crying shame that we have to discuss this, Darren, but there was a, an incident in the second half where the, the referee had to come and speak to, to yourself and, and the Birmingham manager. Could you just clear up what happened there? Yeah, so the, re the referee, Sam, um, stopped the game and brought both managers together and just said that there's been an incident in the corner by a home spectator directed at uh, one of the home players and unfortunately it was um, a racial slur towards the home player from the home supporter and he was putting it on record and looking back at the video footage. So um, though the home player didn't want to press charges, our Tom Edwards did because he both players heard it clearly and, um, and identified the spectators. So they're going to look at the video footage and we'll leave that to the government, to the authorities, the footballing authorities and the officials.
Obviously, um, it's something that we condemn as a club as well and we'll support Birmingham in any way we can. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Darren, thank you very much for your time. Cheers, thank you. Ipswich Town 3, Hull City 0. Ipswich continued their exhilarating start to the season with victory over Hull at Portman Road as they returned to the top of the Championship table. In a match-up of two informed sides, Wes Burns and Connor Chaplin scored first-half goals from outside the box to put the Tractor Boys in control. The Tigers had won their three previous away games and were unbeaten in eight, but skipper Louis Coyle had to go off with a facial injury after the break and they fell further behind when Marcus Harness side-footed the third. Scott Twine was just too high with a free kick as Hull sought to spark a revival and Ipswich keeper Vlachlav Hladky had to make a series of late saves to deny them a consolation but his side held out for their eighth win in ten games. It puts them one point ahead of Leicester who played Preston North End on Wednesday. More on that later. Middlesbrough 2, Cardiff City 0. Middlesbrough's upturning fortunes continued as Isaiah Jones and Emmanuel Latte Lath's goals secured a third successive championship victory and halted Cardiff's winning run. Jones claimed his first league goal in 11 months early in the second half, the winger tapping in after good work from Lucas Engel. The opener came just after Cardiff's best effort when Oli Tanner beat Senny Dieng but saw his deflected shot crash to safety off the far post. Middlesbrough put the result beyond doubt as Latte Lath burst forward on the counter-attack and kept his composure to skip inside Marlon Romeo and beat Jack Anik. Borough, who reached the playoffs last season of course, had been in the bottom three having failed to win in their first seven league games of this campaign. But Michael Carrick's team are up to 16th after ending Cardiff's sequence of four straight second-tier victories and registering a first league clean sheet of the season. A t- upturn in form perhaps? Who knows? Plymouth Argyle nil, Millwall 2. Millwall got their first away win in the Championship since the opening day of the season, as they inflicted a rare home defeat on Plymouth Argyle. Argyle had the best of a goalless first half, as Morgan Whittaker, Ballymumber and Kane Kesler-Hayden all tested Bartosz Bielikowski in the Millwall goal. Duncan Watmore should have put Millwall ahead soon after the restart after his close-range effort was saved by Connor Hazard's legs before the forward set up Zion Fleming to calmly put the Lions in front. Millwall defended their lead well before securing victory in the seventh minute of stoppage time as Fleming dispossessed Kesler Hayden before playing in George Savile to score. The defeat was just a fourth home loss in 28 games for the Pilgrims going back to the start of last season, a record that was the best in the EFL. It sees Millwall jump above Plymouth into 11th place in the Championship as the hosts drop down to 15th. Stoke City nil, Southampton 1. An excellent Stuart Armstrong free kick earned Southampton a tense victory against Stoke at the bet 365. The 31-year-old won it and with a curled effort from 25 yards, which found the top left corner of Mark Travis's goal just before the break. Both sides saw dangerous chances deflected off target early in the second half, while Travers did well to deny Kamala Dean Sulimana in a game of few opportunities. Stoke teenager Nathan Lowe had a shout for a penalty ignored by referee James Ball after appearing to be fouled by Jan Bednarek, as the Saints hung on for their second successive win since ending a four-game losing streak. Speaking of a losing streak, West Bromwich Albion won, Sheffield Wednesday nil. West Brom extended their unbeaten run in the Championship to five games with a win over struggling Wednesday. John Swift, who shone for the baggies, fired the ball into the roof of the net in the first half of the only goal of the game. Albion moved up to fifth in the table, had 17 shots, including a powerful free kick from Swift. 
Bottom side Wednesday were unable to create clear chances and remain winless in the league this season, and now notably without a manager. On to the games that took place on Wednesday now. Coventry City 1, Blackburn Rovers 0. Hadji Wright's late winner made it back-to-back wins for Coventry City and extended Blackburn Rovers' losing streak to 4. The US international on as a substitute was on hand to head in the rebound when Yasin Ayari thundered a shot against the underside of the crossbar with five minutes to go. It was a night when the woodwork took some punishment, as Matty Godden and Bobby Thomas also hit the bar for Coventry and James Hill did the same for Blackburn. The visitors looked to be heading for a much-needed point and clean sheet after leaking goals lately, and they were furious when Andrew Moran had a goal chalked off for his challenge on the goalkeeper Ben Wilson, after referee Jeremy Simpson had initially awarded it. Both sides had had poor starts to the championship season after being playoff contenders last year. Although at the weekend Coventry ended a six-match winless run with victory at QPR, and Blackburn were better at home to league leaders Leicester than the 4-1 scoreline did suggest. Leeds United 1, Queen's Park Rangers 0. Leeds United moved up to 6th in the Championship as they edged past struggling QPR at Ellen Road. Crescencio Somerville's cool finish gave Leeds an early lead as the hosts dominated the first half against the goal-shy Rangers. Both sides found it hard to create a decent chance until the final 15 minutes when Patrick Bamford had a shot saved while Pascal Strauch also went close. QPR could have salvaged a point with three minutes left, but Ilian Melier saved a point-blank effort from Lyndon Dykes with his chest. The night got worse for QPR in stoppage time when keeper and former glover Asmir Begovic was sent off for a tackle on Bamford as he went through onto the edge of the box, although replays do show that Begovic did not make contact with the striker. After the game, Ars boss Gareth Ainsworth had to have verification from both players that there was no contact and he hoped the red card would be overturned. The loss extends QPR's winless run to five games as they remain in the championship relegation zone. Let's hear from QPR boss Gareth Ainsworth. In the first half, did Rangers show Leeds just a little bit too much respect? Um, yeah, I don't know if it was respect. What we didn't do was keep hold of the ball well enough. So that was our most battling game all season. And we've played some great stuff. I was asking for more application. I said to the boys in the meeting on Tuesday, you know, we had after um, after last week. I said, "It's the graft. It's the it's the 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 work rate. I want you to show because on the ball, you lot are great. I've seen it. And then tonight, the graft was there, the work rate, the battle. But on the ball, we we weren't good enough, you know. And that's the story. And I've said that I'm not speaking out of turn. I've told the boys this. I thought on the ball, we needed to show a little bit more bravery." get them passes in, pop it around like we can, and then feed someone in or, or, or get chances that way. Um, the graph was definitely, I mean, we've, we've taken them all the way tonight. They're keeping it in the corners at 11 men against 10. And, um, you know, for the life of me, I can't I can't see why Asmi has been sent off. He hasn't even touched Bamford, you know. I don't want to go on about referees at the moment, but we are not getting the rub of the green. Um, and it was one sloppy goal that cost us, a real sloppy goal. It, you know, I'll never, I'll never personally do anyone, but I, I just thought some of the stuff that we played in recent games has been a lot better, and we played a couple of risky passes, a couple of passes that weren't on, and um, that one sloppy moment, that one goal has has decided the game away at Ellen Road. Proud of the boys, proud of their efforts, you know, so proud, but we weren't good enough on the ball, and I haven't said that for many a week, 
I've, uh, I've questioned some of the desire, some of the, some of the getting back in in shape and counterattacks against us, and and we did all that really well tonight. Leicester City three, Preston North End nil. Keenan Dewsbury Hall scored twice as Leicester made it nine wins in ten Championship games by beating Preston North End to return to the top of the Championship. Pushed down to second by Ipswich victory over Hull on Tuesday, they overcame third-place Preston's resistance with Chewsbury Hall netting either side of Kalechi Iannaccio's side-footed effort from six yards. The midfielder slotted past Freddie Woodman with his left foot to break the deadlock after Ali McCann slid in to intercept a Wilfred Ndidi pass across the box but diverted it into his path. And Dewsbury Hall sealed only the second home victory in the last 13 league meetings between the two sides by firing into the roof of the net after Woodman kept out Ian Acho's initial effort. Sunderland 2, Watford 0. Sunderland continued their fine form in the Championship as they inflicted a third straight defeat on Watford a day after boss Valerian Ishmael signed a contract extension. I can't believe we are talking in a world where Watford have even given a contract extension, but there we are. Niall Huggins blasted into the top corner after an excellent run to put the hosts ahead shortly before the break with a first clear chance of the game. Danny Ballard headed over after an hour for Sunderland, but two minutes later, Abdullah Bar nodded in from close range. It should have been 3-0 when Adil Awiche broke through on goal, but his effort was half saved by Daniel Backman before Ryan Porteous cleared the weakened effort off the line. Watford's night got worse when teenage substitute Ryan Andrews was sent off for a late challenge on Jack Clark as the game came to a close. The win consolidates fourth place for Sunderland who have won five of their past six matches, while Watford remained a point above the relegation zone after QPR lost at Leeds. Swansea City 2, Norwich City 1. The Swansea resurgence continues as they can claim a third successive championship win as Bashir Humphreys' final eight goal secured a dramatic 2-1 victory over Norwich. On loan, Chelsea defender Humphreys thumped home a volley after Norwich failed to clear a corner. The 20-year-old's first senior goal was tough on Norwich, who missed numerous opportunities as they dominated much of the second half. Swansea had gone ahead early as Jamal Lowe's cool finish saw him score for the third successive game. But Norwich levelled midway through the first half thanks to Gabriel Sara's header before Adam Ida wasted the best of the visitors' chances after the break. Victory represented another step forward for Michael Duff, who had been under pressure after failing to win in his first seven league games as Swansea boss. Having ended that sequence with a comfortable wins over Sheffield Wednesday and Millwall, this was Duff's most notable triumph yet, given Norwich's status as probable promotion contenders. And finally, Rotherham United 1, Bristol City 2. Bristol City substitute Tommy Conway spoiled Matt Taylor's first anniversary as Rotherham manager by scoring an 81st and 90th fifth minute winner, and to give the Robins a dramatic late winner. With the game drifting towards a goalless draw, Conway cut inside and superbly fired the visitors ahead, before Tyler Blackett slots did the Millers level. But Conway had not finished and was in the right place when Blackett off the pitch because of injury to flick home Andy King's left-wing cross as they repeated last season's away win in South Yorkshire. Rotherham have now won just one of their opening 10 championship matches and are languishing in 23rd, while Bristol City moved within a point of the top six. Let's listen to Bristol City boss Nigel Pearson. Nigel, no, probably not the same performance as the weekend, but a much better result. Yeah, well, isn't that strange with football? And uh, but yeah, we needed that result tonight. Um, 
tonight. Yeah, I mean, it was a poor game, really, in terms of the quality. Um, we we suffered with trying to get a rhythm going tonight, but but look, look, we've come away with three points because of quality in the second half in terms of Tommy's finishing, and I think we upped our game somewhat, but we needed to. Um, you know, it's just a, a, an example of what the variation that you get in the championship. It's it's really amazing that the, the weekend we, we played as well as we did and came away with nothing. And yet tonight was a very, very scruffy, scrappy, ugly game for long periods. And yet, you know, we end up uh, scoring two late goals of real quality. You know, Tommy's, Tommy's contributions are quite special tonight. Um, but we, we, we stuck at our game tonight, which shows different types of qualities. You know, you need different qualities to win games and, and, and uh, we can still make this week a decent week um, by going to Ellen Road now and, and putting in a, one of our better performers because we, we'll need to do that, we'll really need to do that. You mentioned those different qualities and you've mentioned it, it was a scrappy game and poor yeah. at times, but does that show the strength and the mentality of the squad to come out and score two late goals? To win yeah, it. yeah, and uh, and I think it also hopefully shows the belief that uh, the players who come off the bench can have, <laughs> as they did tonight, but um, can still have a very important role during, uh, as it turned out tonight, an evening's football where, um, yeah, we only made two changes tonight, but it, but we didn't look the same side in terms of rhythm of passing decision-making uh, in possession we weren't particularly good um, but yeah good to get three points I mean look that's that's the most important thing um, and uh, we certainly needed it after the weekend where from a very very strong position we ended up with nothing you mentioned the substitution substitutes coming on there yeah how pleasing is that for you? They come on and really feel not like they have a point to prove, but they're really fighting for the cause. Well, they've got a, they've got their own job to do for the team, and that's exactly the point. You know, we 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 change things around a little bit just to try and give us a bit more, whether it's impetus or whether it's impact, um, in terms of a slight tweak in terms of the shape or or how the how the, the team looked. It just gave us some added uh, physical attributes in terms of fresh legs and, and players who needed to go on there and, and do something for themselves as well. But the, the, you know, the, the underlying factor is that, the, that the, the team's mentality, the squad's mentality was, was there. And I think that's, that's really important because after games like Saturday against Stoke where there are always going to be questions when you concede a a two-goal lead and, and, and lose 3-2. The people are going to probably revisit situations from a couple of years ago, but I think the squad's in a much better place now. I think the, the, the personnel's both different and stronger, uh, personality-wise. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you've still got to get the results like tonight. Finally, a word on Tommy Conway. Two moments yeah, of real quality yeah. there. Yeah, of course we'll be hearing about that for the for the rest of the week. Um, but brilliant for him, and 
but uh, you know, if people are clamouring for him to be starting games, that can't be the case at the minute because he's still, you know, coming back into what is a very, very uh, intense situation. And going on for 15, 20 minutes as he did, it, it allowed him to to have that uh, impact of his explosive style of play. But wow, those two finishes were pretty special. So. We're glad he's in a good mood. So, let's take a look at the championship table. All teams have now played 10 games out of the possible 46, so where are we at almost the quarter way stage? Well, we have a top of the table with 27 points out of the possible 30. He's ever rich, ever affluent, never successful. Leicester City. More surprisingly, two points below in second place. Ipswich with 25 points from 10 games. A distant five points behind now in third place are and Sunderland taking up fourth place with 19 points, and then there are six teams on 16 points going anywhere from fifth to tenth. They are West Brom, Leeds, Norwich, Cardiff, Hull, and Southampton. Two teams on 15 with Bristol City and Birmingham City. 14 points go to 13th place Coventry and Millwall. At Swansea, continuing their rebuild as their 15th with 12 points. Plymouth dropping to 16th, uh, level on points uh, with Middlesbrough, both on 11. Three teams on 10 points as we approach the bottom end of the table. Stoke City, Huddersfield Town and Blackburn Rovers. Watford haven't yet quite made it into double figures as they're about 9 points in 10 games and sitting in first. And the three teams in the relegation zone. Queen's Park Rangers on 8 points, Rotherham on 5, Sheffield Wednesday on 2. At AJ Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. On to League One then, and we will start with Blackpool 1, Derby County 3. Goals from former glover Corey Smith, James Collins and Martin Waghorn kept up Derby's impressive away record so far this season with victory at Blackpool. The Rams had won four out of the five league games they have played on the road. They should have taken the lead twice in the first half through Kane Wilson, who was on for his first start for the club, heading wide and firing off target, both from close range. Joe Wildsmith then made a fine save to deny the informed Blackpool striker, Jordan Rhodes. Smith opened the scoring nine minutes into the second half, lashing Nathaniel Mendes Lang's cutback into the roof of the net. The visitors doubled their lead through Collins, but Kenny Dougal's header handed Blackpool a lifeline two minutes later. The Seasiders should have been levelled through Rhodes, but he headed against the bar from ten yards out before substitute Tom Barkerson had cleared one off the line at the other end. Derby made sure of victory when they launched a counter-attack and Barkerson teed up Waghorn for a simple finish. Bolton Wanderers 3, Stevenage 2. Midfielder and former Glover, Josh Sheehan, scored his first League One goal of the season to earn Bolton an eventful 3-2 win over Stevenage. The Welsh international struck 20 minutes from time after top scorer Dion Charles and Jack Iredale twice put Ian Everts' side in front. 
Wanderers' second victory in four days moved the Trotters up to third, as Steenlidge suffered back-to-back defeats after last Saturday's loss to Oxford. On a night, the club remembered Bolton legend and spot-kick king Francis Lee with a minute's applause. Charles fired in a 13th-minute penalty for a Dan Butler foul on Iredale. Jamie Reid finished off a 90-minute break, uh, 90-meter breakaway to level the matters with his eighth goal of the season seven minutes later. Australian defender Iredell volleyed Bolton back in front from Sheehan's corner three minutes after the break. But substitute Cameron Jerome's foul on Carl Piergiani saw Reid show Lee-esque ability with a 64th-minute penalty equaliser as he completed his brace for the visitors. However, man of the match Iredell then produced a through-ball assist for Sheehan to control and fire home the winner. Bristol Rovers 3, Port Vale 0. Giovanni Brown scored his first goal in Bristol Rovers colours as the Gas secured a comfortable League One win over 10-man Port Vale. The former Exeter striker ended the game on a high, but he also helped put Rovers in charge after 25 minutes when he crossed for the unmarked midfielder Luke McCormick to nod past Connor Ripley. It went from bad for worse for Vale after 38 minutes as their hopes of retaining a place in the playoff zone receded when defender Jesse Deborah was sent off after an early second yellow card, deciding Jan Ryan Woods on his debut no less. Former Sheffield Wednesday right-back Hunt took advantage of Thomas's absence when he doubled the lead two minutes into the first half uh, when he drove in Aaron Collins's pinpoint cross. Valiant manager Andy Crosby made a quadruple change at the break to revive his team's fortunes, but Bristol Rovers continued to dominate, and Brown sealed victory with a delightful long-range effort after 86 minutes. Burton Albion 2, Wigan Athletic 1. Ten-man Burton secured a much-needed first home League One win of the season as Joe Powell's brace saw off Wigan. The midfielder capped a superb performance with a stunning equaliser after Charlie Hughes had put Wigan ahead before firing home from the penalty spot to seal victory. Cambridge United nil, Barnsley 4. Barnsley claimed a fourth consecutive League One away win by beating Cambridge at the Abbey. The Tykes made an ideal start by opening the scoring inside seven minutes when Nicky Caden had slotted in by Corey O'Keefe and fired into the far corner. That lead was doubled in unconventional style after 33 minutes when Caden's corner was met by a Cambridge defender before ricocheting off Mel de Givine and back past Will Mallion for the 24-year-old's first career goal. Cambridge did provide a threat, with Liam Roberts keeping out a Jack Lancaster effort and denying Gassanad Hardmi in the final moments of the first half. In a decisive passage of play just before the hour, strong Cambridge appeals for a penalty for a foul on John Kiami Gordon was waved away, and within seconds, Barnsley added their third when Callum Styles played in Max Waters, whose effort went in under Mannion. Seven minutes from the end, John Russell completed the scoring, firing an excellent finish from outside the box following Josh Benson's pass. Carlisle United 1, Peterborough United 1. Jordan Gibson scored his sixth minute of stoppage time winner, or draw, sorry, to snatch Carlisle a home point against Peterborough. Ronnie Edwards had opened the scoring at 16 minutes from time, and the wind looked like it was going back to Cambridgeshire. That was before Gibson's long-range effort deflected past Nicholas Bielakapik to steal a point for the hosts. Charlton Athletic 4, Exeter City 1. Charlton made it three straight home league wins for the first time since December 2021, as they comfortably dispatched Exeter 4-1 at the Valley. The Addicts fell behind in the 23rd minute. Rhys Cole's defence-splitting pass sent Grecian striker James Scott racing through to fire past Ashley Maynard Brewer. 
Charlton, unbeaten in five since head coach Michael Appleton took charge and deservedly levelled just before the break. Corey Blackett-Taylor rifled home after Chuck Sinike's header was dinked Alfie May uh, from a dinked Alfie May cross crashed back off the crossbar. The Addicts were awarded a penalty in the 65th minute after Tenai Watson was fouled by Yannick Vilchut and Eneki's spot kick was pushed away onto the post by Exeter keeper Viljami Sinisalo, but Alfie May followed up to smash in from close range. Exeter captain Will Ameson received a straight red card for a late sliding lunge on May just moments later, although replays have now shown that actually the foul wasn't nearly as severe. Charlton substitute Miles Lieburn emphatically drilled in Charlton's third goal in the 79th minute and May clinically found the top left corner of the net after excellent approach play by Blackett-Taylor. Cheltenham Town nil, Fleetwood Town 2. Goals from Junior Katana and Jack Marriott earned Fleetwood a 2-0 win at 10-man Cheltenham, who equalled an EFL record by failing to score for an 11th successive match. The bottom place Robins were under new boss Daryl Clark's leadership for the first time against the team directly above them in the table. But Quitana curled a free kick into the bottom corner from 20 yards in the 19th minute to set Lee Johnson's side on their way to a second successive victory. Cheltenham were close to ending their drought in the 5th minute when Jonathan Malcolm's shot from 12 yards hit the post and Sean Long's follow-up attempted flashed wide. Will Godwin rolled a shot past the post five minutes in, uh, towards the end, uh, but Fleetwood added their second in the 80th minute. Aide Jaden Stockley's effort rebounded off the bar, and Marriott reacted quickest to tap in from close range. Cheltenham also become the first side in EFL history to lose their first five home league games of a season without scoring. Leighton Orient versus Lincoln City abandoned. Around 20 fans ran onto the pitch during Leighton Orient's match against Lincoln City to alert the referee to a medical emergency in the crowd. The League One match was then abandoned after 82 minutes at Brisbane Road. Unfortunately, this has been a terrible uh, state of affairs as the fan has unfortunately passed away since then. The match will be replayed, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not nearly as important as the loss of someone's life. Northampton Town 3, Reading 1. Northampton secured back-to-back League One wins by beating Reading at six fields. Former Glover Sam Hoskins, Lewis Apiri and Mitch Pinnock all scored to earn the Cobblers a first home victory since August and handed the Royals a fifth straight away league defeat. Northampton made all of the early running and deservedly went ahead after ten minutes when Apiri slipped in Hoskins with his shot from a tight angle squirmed under David Button. Apire headed over and Sean McWilliams scuffed wide before Reading gained a foothold in the game and they were only denied an equaliser by goalkeeper Lee Burge's quick reactions as he saved from Caelan Vickers. Northampton went straight up the other end and doubled their lead through Apire who finished off Kieran Bowie's terrific work eight minutes before half-time. Burge was at full stretch to keep out Kelvin E, but Reading dominated possession in the second half and were back in the game with 24 minutes to play when Don Ballard found the net from Harvey Nibs's layoff. The visitors could not find a leveller despite heavy pressure in the remaining time, however, and Northampton's win was wrapped up in stoppage time thanks to Pinnock's first-time finish. Oxford United 3, Shrewsbury Town 0. Finn Stevens scored his first Oxford goal to help them beat Shrewsbury for a fourth straight league victory. The unknown Brentford right-back volleyed into the roof of the net in the 17th minute after keeper Marco Morosi only got tip, uh, fingertips to Greg Lee's outswinging cross. Shrewsbury were reduced to 10 early in the second half when Joe Anderson saw red for two yellow cards, having, been brought, uh, having brought down Stevens for a second time in quick succession. 
The visitors were immediately punished, with Kieran Brown knocking the ball in from close range in the 60th minute as they failed to clear Cameron Brannigan's free kick. Lee rounded off a comfortable win in stoppage time, firing into an unguarded net from the left touchline after Morosi lost the ball in a moment of madness. And finally, Portsmouth 2, Wickham Wanderers 1. Connor Shaughnessy scored his first Portsmouth goal with a 98th minute header to earn the League 1 leaders a 2-1 win at home to Wickham. Pompey looked to extend their unbeaten league run, handed Chelsea loney Tino Andrew in his full debut in place of injured skipper Marlon Pack. But they found it hard going in the opening 45 minutes, going in a goal down at half-time. There'd been little in terms of efforts on goal from either side before Wickham took the lead after 22 minutes. An in-swinging corner from Luke Leahy saw skipper Josh Scowen get ahead of two defenders to steer the ball home at the near post. Constant Pompey pressure straight from the restart saw them equalise after 58 minutes. Just two minutes after, Abu Kamara failed to connect with a Paddy Lane cross. He made amends by crossing from the byline for Colby Bishop to stab home. Shaughnessy nodded the winner from a Jack Sparks cross deep into the injury time and sent the home fans wild. With that, we'll have another interview and we'll listen to Pompey boss John Massinho. Well, John, I know I haven't quite caught my breath back yet, have you? Uh, yeah, just about, I think. I mean, one of the reasons I think it was not easy to catch my breath after it was um, the fact that I thought we thoroughly deserved the win. I thought, you know, it was it was nothing um, you know, nothing more than, than what we sort of worked for over the 90 minutes. And, and my reaction, I, I wouldn't have been quite so pleased uh, at the back end, but my reaction in terms of the performance would have been the same had we not got the, the winner at the end. Uh, I thought we were excellent throughout the throughout the entire game to be honest obviously a few things to work on here and there but I thought the performance was very very mature very very good against uh, an excellent side who I think will be right up there this season so I'm really pleased for all of those reasons Where do you even start with the the drama at the end what do you remember from it? I just you know I remember actually the, the game sort of Dying out a bit um, after we after we so after we scored, I thought we had a really good ten-minute spell. We didn't quite capitalise on that. The game died out. There were injuries, substitutions, a couple of fouls here and there. Uh, I, I always thought that we would we would have a chance. We'd have a late chance, and um, we just I think with the with the set piece that Colby missed at the back post, I thought that might be the one that, that did it for us. Um, but yeah, I, what I remember is just us. Um, so you know, we, we kept going, we kept going. We we obviously earned the corner towards the back end. And brilliant delivery, attacked it really well and um, yeah, I thought thoroughly deserved to win the game. It was a brilliant second half display, obviously down going into the break. What did you say at half-time? Uh, there were just a few things that we, we wanted to address. Uh, not, not a huge amount, I thought we performed pretty well up until the goal. We had to defend the um, set-piece a bit better, which you know, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously try and uh, work on, but it wasn't a performance that I thought warranted us being 1-0 down and uh, just a couple of things number one trying to get people a bit closer to Colby when the ball went wide getting crossed in the box we, I didn't think we committed enough um, bodies in the box in the first half and um, maybe we were slightly wary of the counter attack because we can pose a real threat going the other way um, but yeah we wanted to essentially um, maintain the, the control of the game but when we did go forward just create a bit more in the final third it's obviously disappointing to, to go behind again, but what does it say about the team? We, we keep on saying it. What does it say about this team, the fact they're able to, to come from behind again like that? It, the disappointment today was, was much less than in other games, and we've spoken about this. I've spoken about this quite a bit this week. Um, one that really sticks in my mind was Peterborough. We, we went a goal behind against Peterborough. I thought it was really poor for 25 minutes, and we deserved to be a goal behind, and that was a problem. It wasn't the goal itself. It was the fact that we hadn't performed well tonight. I thought we performed pretty well. We were in control of the game. Um, with Wickham's only shot, I think, or um, obviously Vokes had the one on the turn, but one of their only shots in the first half, they've gone and scored. And I can live with that. I can genuinely live with that. 
Um, first of all, because the performance was there. Second of all, because I obviously know from the past couple of weeks the lads' heads aren't going to drop. I thought the feeling in the stadium was one of, OK, we'll, we'll brush it off, we'll, we'll go again, which is a nice spot to be in. Um, and and we thought, I thought we saw the reaction. The reaction from the crowd at half-time was, was great. It really helps the boys. And, yeah, we, we know that if we keep performing well, then... Um, hopefully more often than not we'll, we'll go in um, not going behind but if we do we, we know that we can get back into games How did you react to the winner? It looked like you quite enjoyed it I did, I really enjoyed it for about three seconds and then realised it was good to get Sean Raggett on um, because it was, you know, it's, it's one of those uh, that um, you know, because of Wickham's physical threat uh, yeah, that was the we thought that was the right sub, so managed to do that. And yeah, that, you can you sort of can only enjoy those those goals very briefly because um, yeah, there's, there's still, there was still I think a couple of minutes to play, which were a nervy couple of minutes for me. But uh, yeah, it was, after the game, I, I really enjoyed it. I've loved walking around the pitch tonight. It was it was brilliant. We saw the the joy in everyone's faces, and um, you know the the singing towards the end was was amazing. Yeah, you touched on it there. It must have been really nice to sort of have that moment at the end with the fans and, and celebrating and. and in and amongst this atmosphere so what's your message to them this evening I just I love it I, yeah, that was probably the um, I can't remember uh, that, that was the most I enjoyed a goal was probably the Derby the Derby goal that was probably the most I enjoyed a win I don't know why um, maybe it's because it's under the lights on a Tuesday night at Fratton Park and the lads deserved it and the um, the fans deserved it um, after a real few tough few weeks of, of travelling up and down the country. I, I'm, I'm not sure what it was. It was a, it was a, a great moment. The noise was, was just uh, ridiculous. You said about the Bolton game in your pre-match interview. You said about the Exeter game here on the Tuesday nights. Does this top the list for you? Oh, I, I, I don't know. It's right up there. It's definitely right up there because of the drama late on. Um, you know, very, very different uh, types of wins. And, yeah, this will this will go down, I think, um, in terms of the... Uh, those uh, real special nights that we've we've had here. So yeah, hopefully we can have plenty more of them. We've got to obviously dust ourselves off and go again Saturday, another big big game for us. And um, yeah, it's, uh, that's what the football league season's like. See, Marlon was out this evening. We'll touch on his injury in a minute, but it must have been really nice to, to give Joe Morel the armband tonight. Yeah, I, th- I think Joe Morel's been been superb. I think there's been a lot of criticism around uh, Joe towards the back in the last season for what happened at MK, which was. Um, you know, probably justified, and, and Joe took that on board. I just think since I've come in, he's been he's been excellent. Uh, I can I can really trust him in the middle of the park, um, in every aspect of the game. And to be honest, I think over the past six weeks, it's the best football I've seen Joe Morel play. Um, not since we've been here, but also um, previously. I watched Joe um, quite a lot previously, so uh, yeah, I'm really really pleased for him, and I, and I think he deserves it. What he's grown into over the past. Um, few months especially as someone who I think who is really influential in the dressing room um, he leads the line very very well he's becoming much more disciplined in his game in terms of just that slight bit of mental focus when things um, do heat up and yeah, it was um, it was great to give him the armband of the weekend and I thought it was a captain's performance tonight and just finally on Marlon's injury do you know any more no not yet so we were going to have a fitness test today with with Marlon um, it was a bit worse than we thought it would be so uh, we decided to get it scanned we're waiting on the scan results and yeah, a real blow for us, I think, because Marlon's been superb. He's, he's another one. Him and Joe, I think, over the past six weeks, have just been very, very good in the middle of the park, dominating games. So yeah, a real, a real blow for us, I think. But we'll get more results, um, or we'll get the results and, and have more information Thursday. So, what has that done to the League One table? Well, quite a few teams have played eleven games now. Most, oh, everyone else has played ten in the league. With 11 games played and 25 points sitting top of the tree are Portsmouth. One point behind, and more importantly one game behind, second place Oxford United. 
Four points separate Oxford and third place Bolton Wanderers in third. Barnsley in fourth place with 19 points from 11 games played. Two teams on 18 points rounding out the playoffs in the form of Stevenage and Peterborough. Not too far away with one point away, Derby and Port Vale both on 17. At the wrong end of the table, of course, plenty has been made on the disappointing showing from Cheltenham Town, still yet to score a goal, and have only picked up one point from their opening 11 games. Wigan sit in 23rd place with five points, of course, taking into consideration the 10-point deduction, it's still rather concerning for Sean Mahoney's men. Reading sit in uh, 22nd with six points, and still taking out the final relegation spot with eight points is Fleetwood Town. Very quickly on to League 2 then, before we take a look at next weekend's fixtures. We'll just go through the scores of these ones. Crew Alexander beating Gillingham 2-0. Uh, goals from Connor O'Riordan and Tom White both scored. Well, scored in each half to climb up to third in the table, leapfrogging their opponents in the process. What was even worse, uh, necessarily from a Neil Harris perspective in the uh, Gillingham dugout, was the fact that it ended up being his last game in charge for Gillingham, despite seeing the club sit in eighth. Doncaster Rovers 2, Crawley Town 0. Doncaster ended Crawley's impressive winning run at five matches with a 2-0 triumph at the Eco Power Stadium. That's the keep moat to you and I. A Mo Fowl strike and a Joe Ironside penalty saw Rovers through to a third win from their last four League 2 outings. Grimsby Town 2, Barrow 1. Grimsby ended their three-match losing sequence in League 2 with a win against mid-table Barrow at Blundell Park. Danny Rose and Grimsby substitute Donovan Wilson settled the three points with goals in each half after Abu Isa had missed a penalty. Sam Foley, of course, former Glover, replied for Barrow, but it proved too little too late. Harrogate Town 0, AFC Wimbledon 1. AFC Wimbledon secured a third consecutive win as Omar Bagheel's first league goal for the club secured a 1-0 triumph away at Harrogate. The Lebanese International ended a 13-game drought in the league with a stylish six-minute finish that settled a match Johnny Jackson's men controlled for long periods. Mansfield Town nil, Wrexham nil. Goalkeeper Arthur and Kowu produced an inspired display as Wrexham claimed a point with a 0-0 draw against League 2 promotion hopefuls Mansfield. The Arsenal Loney made stunning saves to deny Aaron Lewis and Ollie Clark at the Wonkall Stadium in an entertaining stalemate with chances for both sides. As for Wrexham, Ollie and Palmer and Aaron Hayden missed the best opportunities for the Dragons. Morecambe 1, Accrington Stanley 1. Tommy Lee's penalty salvaged Accrington a one-all draw at Lancashire rivals Morecambe. Both goals came in the second half, with Morecambe taking the lead in the 64th minute, when on loan Bristol Rovers defender James Connolly scored his first goal for the Shrimps, as he diverted Jordan's slew shot past John McCracken from six yards. Let's listen to Morecambe boss Derek Adams. Well, Derek, a 1-1 draw of Accrington Stanley, yeah, a fantastic game of football to watch. Yeah, it was. It was end-to-end uh, -end and, uh, you know, I think in the first half, that's the best we've played this season. I thought we were outstanding. The way we passed the ball, the way we created openings, the way we moved, acting about the pitch, um, it was a top performance. And uh, we should have been ahead by a few goals at half-time. And uh, we weren't. And uh, then in the second half, we got that goal, you know, with Connolly. And uh, it was much more from us and uh, we passed the ball even better in the second half at times but uh, we still just couldn't pick up that second goal unfortunate for us we give away the penalty uh, and I think Atkinton were either going to score with a penalty 
a free kick or a corner kick uh, because in open play I thought that we were excellent. In games like that when you are on top so much as you were in the first half, it disappointing that you, you couldn't get that goal you wanted? Yeah, I mean because we created so many good openings and uh, I thought that we've got a lot of young players on that pitch tonight and uh, it's a derby and to take control of the game, to understand the game as well as they did uh, and just the runs and at the end, you know, Accrington were happy for a point. We could hear their dugout, you know, saying it slowed down, you know, with 10 minutes to go, which is fair, you know, because we were on top of the game and uh, we have a, another great opportunity right on uh, the final whistle uh, to put it to bed. Yeah, first half, blocks on Mellon, Slave looked terrific up front. I thought the whole team were excellent. I think that, you know, that there is tweaks that we can use, but uh, the way we passed the ball, the way we... Um, you just found different options uh, and if Accrington were closing a gap, uh, we always moved and uh, took other positions and uh, they just understand the game very well for a young team. Unfortunately for Tom Bloxham, uh, he just caught Sean Worley there at the far post. Yeah, we had warned our players before the game about Sean because, uh, you know, Accrington do get uh, a lot of uh, penalty kicks, we'll see that. Accrington do get a lot of players booked against a man sent off you see that quite often but uh, uh, in the end uh, it was a penalty kick and uh, it was a needless challenge but uh, uh, that, that's the way it goes sometimes Overall a cracking advert for League uh, 2 football It was and uh, you know we've put on a good show tonight for the supporters keeps our unbeaten run going here uh, this season Looking ahead Colchester away on Saturday you'll be looking to build that away win from last Saturday yeah, I mean, a really good performance away from home against Forest Green. And, uh, you know, tonight again, uh, following on from the Accrington game, we want to go there and, uh, you know, try and win the match. Newport County 2, Colchester United 1. Newport came from behind to beat Colchester 2-1 thanks to Omar Bogle's fortuitous 64th minute match winner. Bogle was in the right place at the right time as Colchester's clearance rebounded off him and into the net. Colchester had gone ahead on 34 minutes as Jaden Fevrier's cross was slotted home by Samson Tavide, but Newport levelled as Evans deflected Scott Bennett's shot. Notts County 3, Swindon Town 1. Macaulay Longstaff scored his 50th Notts County goal as the Magpies dispatched fellow promotion chasers Swindon at Meadow Lane. Further goals, courtesy of David McGoldrick and Dan Crowley, completed a dominant first-half display, with Swindon substitute Tyree Sade pulling one back early in the second half. Stockport County 2, Forest Green Rovers 0. Promotion-chasing Stockport moved up to 4th in League 2 with a comfortable 2-0 victory over struggling Forest Green. Isaac Alofe set County on course for their 5th successive victory after nodding a looping Will Collar cross past keeper James Belshaw in the 15th minute. Alofe then turned provider for County's second on 35 minutes as he slid the ball across the box for Anthony Sasevich to slot home. Sutton United 0, Salford City 2. Salford recorded a second consecutive victory with two second-half goals in a 2-0 win to leave Sutton rooted to the foot of the Football League. Goals from Matt Smith and Kelly May did the damage as the visitors made it back-to-back -back successes after ending a five-match losing run. Neither side could gain the upper hand in the first half, although it was the visitors who had the better chances and a mice cross was volleyed over by Matty Lund. Tranmere Rovers 2, Bradford City 1. Tranmere recorded a much-needed win for their effort to move away from the League 2 relegation places with a 2-1 win over Bradford at Prenton Park. 
An 83rd minute strike from Kieran Morris was enough to secure the points after Regan Hendry had seen his earlier effort cancelled out by Andy Cook. Bradford looked the more dangerous side throughout most of the game with Jamie Walker hitting the post early in the game from the edge of the box while former glover Alex Patterson and Walker again were denied by Rovers keeper Luke McGee. Overall, a rather disappointing performance in the end for Bradford, so much so Mark Hughes has now lost his job. And finally, Walsall nil, McDonald's nil. MK Dons' winless lead two run was extended to six, with a goalless draw at Walsall. The visitors bossed the first half and it needed a smart move from Walsall keeper Owen Evans to foil a close-range shot from Ellis Harrison. The Dons did want a penalty in the 16th minute for Joe Riley's challenge on Mo Issa, but the ball broke for Warren O'Hara, who flashed just wide from 25 yards. Outside of that, very little taking place in the game out near Birmingham. So, we go and take a look at the League 2 table. Very similar to League 1, where the vast majority of them have played 11 matches now, but some have still only played 10. Top of the table, 11 games played, 23 points sit Notts County. Three points adrift, we actually have four other teams. They are second place to AFC Wimbledon, third place Crewe, fourth Alex uh, Stockport, and fifth Crawley. Rounding out the playoff spots sit Swindon and Mansfield. Swindon, the only team out of those mentioned, who are yet to play their 11th match. The wrong end of the table, sitting at rock bottom of the EFL, are Sutton United with four points from 11 games. Forest Green also in the relegation zone with seven points out of the possible 11, and following Tranmere's win over Bradford has actually taken them out of the bottom two. So, with just enough time, let's take a look at the fixtures taking place this weekend. And we'll start with the Championship again, as that's actually moving straight to the Friday night game. And that is a relative, well, an e a East Midlands derby, I think is the way you describe it. No? West Midlands derby, we'll try that again. Birmingham City versus West Bromwich Albion on a Friday night. On the Saturday, we've got a lunchtime game of the, it's a tease, weird derby. Sunderland versus Middlesbrough. Three o'clock games, Cardiff City versus Watford, Coventry taking on Norwich, Ipswich and against Preston North End, big game at the top of the league there. Leeds United will be continuing, hoping to continue their decent run against Bristol City. Leicester have got Stoke. Hull are travelling to Millwall. Plymouth Argyle taking on Swansea. QPR have Blackburn. Managerless Sheffield Wednesday are taking on former Sheffield Wednesday boss Darren Moore and his Huddersfield town side. And finally, Southampton are playing Rotherham United. On to League One then. And all games taking place, I believe. Oh no, I apologise. 11 of the... Uh, 11 games taking place on Saturday the 7th of October. A lunchtime game for some odd reason between Oxford United and Bristol Rovers. Bolton Wanderers taking on Carlisle United at 3 o'clock alongside Charlton Athletic versus Blackpool. Cheltenham Town will be hoping to get their first goal, but they've got to go and take on Paul Warren's Derby County. Exeter City have got Barnsley. Fleetwood taking on Wickham Wanderers. Leighton Orient have got Reading. Peterborough United versus Lincoln City. Relatively local affair for both of those teams. Portsmouth taking on Port Vale. Shrewsbury have Northampton Town. And Stevenage are taking on Wigan Athletic. On Monday, the 9th of October, we've got Burton Albion versus Cambridge United. On to League Two then. And this one is, in fact, all at 12 games taking place Saturday, 7th of October. All of them, 3 o'clock. Accrington Stanley are taking on uh, very disappointing Forest Green Rovers. 
Barrow have got tabletop at Notts County. Mangelis Bradford City taking on Swindon Town. Colchester United are taking on Morecambe. Crawley face um, everyone's second most notable club, Wrexham. Gillingham taking on McDonald's. Mansfield Town have AFC Wimbledon. Big game at the top of League 2 there. Both teams in very, very impressive form. Harrogate Town travelling all the way down to South Wales as they take on Newport County. Salford City have Crew, Stockport taking on Doncaster Rovers. Sutton United have got Walsall. And finally, Tramere Rovers taking on Grimsby Town. So that brings us to the end of this week's EFL preview, which was really more of a review. I'm glad to be back. I hope you are, are pleased as well. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to take the clock at all the fixtures taking place across all three divisions. Plenty of exciting games in there. I'm particularly quite interested in seeing how the Tease Weird Derby will do. But until then, I hope you have a lovely rest of your week. Uh, make sure to tune in to Three Valleys Radio this weekend uh, to listen to coverage of Yeovil Town versus Aveley. And until then, have a lovely weekend. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.